Welcome to another episode of The Cubic Report. Once again, we have with us Greg Thomas, certified leadership consultant, who has been on here before, just about three or four weeks ago. We really appreciated him taking the time to do this podcast, which is going to be something that hopefully we can do more than just a few times, because it was a very successful podcast where we talked about goals, we talked about a personal mission statement, and it was very successful. Uh, we had people all around the world who have listened to it. In fact, it's been placed on Australia radio. People have really thought there was some really great information there. We have really appreciated the information that uh, Greg has provided and appreciate his willingness to do this podcast. So anyway, last time we talked about making life's puzzles pieces fit. We talked about 12 principles of personal leadership, which is what the book is about. We focused on the right visionary goals and writing a personal mission statement. That was, to me, the most interesting part of that particular podcast because my wife and I talked about it. She said, do you have one? I said, do you have one? <laughs> we, we sort of had one, but not in the way that Greg presented it. And what made it very interesting is that when we talked about it, we found that by talking to each other about our personal mission statement, there was a greater sense of accountability and seriousness about it. Anyway, we're going to get into a continuation of the principles that we have started talking about. So, Again, Greg, last time we talked about personal leadership along with the power of choice, mm -hmm. making choice. Then we talked about how important a personal mission statement is. But the next natural discussion is about applying personal leadership principles. So let's continue on from where we left off about why you wrote a book about the 12 principles of personal leadership and where we go from here. Sure. You bet. Well, first of all, thank you, Vic, for having me back again. I appreciate it very much, and I hope uh, the information we can share together is helpful to many people. Uh, the idea of this book started out actually when I was about 15 years old. I was in a local barber shop, a barber shop in the corner of where I lived. This would be about 1968. And, uh, you know, as you wait to get your hair cut, there are always magazines and booklets for you to kill time as you're waiting for your turn. And there was a booklet that the gentleman had in his barber shop, and it was called The Seven Laws of Success, uh, written by a religious leader, a very prominent man in the 20th century, Herbert W. Armstrong. And I was 15 at the time, and I, and I asked him if I could take it home, and I took it home and read it. And it had a profound, a very powerful influence in my life because I grew up in a hardworking blue-collar family, but I didn't know anything about drive or qualities like resourcefulness or even setting a goal. Those were things that were totally unknown to me. So the book had a pretty big impact on my life, particularly when I was younger. As time went on and I got into the business world, I came to see that the, the seventh laws of success were good, but they were really quite limited. There's actually more to life and having a fulfilled life and, and truly becoming a personal leader than just the seven laws of success. For example, um, a meaningful relationships, which is one of the 12 principles. That's something that was not originally included in the seven laws of success. Another principle is being passionately positive because it's really all about attitude. 
and that also was not included in the original um, seven that uh, Herbert Armstrong wrote. It was probably the most uh, secular book that he ever wrote because it was only until you get to the uh, seventh does he bring a religion into a religious belief into his booklet. So uh, from that, as I went through life and I came to see that, uh, again, the laws of success were great. But in my mind, they were incomplete. And some of the phraseology also needed to be uh, updated for the 21st century. So that's what kind of led me to creating uh, Making Life's Puzzle Pieces Fit using the 12 principles of personal leadership. Another thing is the definition of success. Uh, his definition of success, judging by the examples that he used, were basically celebrities, were people who were uh, either actors or CEOs or people who had founded organizations, whereas what I strive to do in, the, in this book is help every one to see that they can develop personal leadership, whether you're a grandmother, a single mom, whether you're a teenager, everyone can be successful. Everyone can grow and develop themselves to their fullest potential by developing personal leadership. And so these are principles that help one to grow, to help one to change and become a better human being and become in the long run a more balanced, better human individual. Well, I might just say, Greg, that uh, any age group or any person can use the principles that, that you offer. It's not, like you said, for celebrities, important people, or people who think they want to take charge of some organization or mm -hmm. anything. It's really something that really applies applies to all people, even of all ages. You know, even when you talked about having a personal mission statement, you know, it isn't for somebody who's got a whole life to live. I mean, I'm at my age, and I, I have a personal mission statement now that's modified of the things I want to do in these years of my life. So mm -hmm. the, this podcast really is for anybody listening, any, any age group or any person in social strata can really use these principles. And one more principle, one more thing I'd like to say sure. about this, too, is that I have taken this type of information about success, like you mentioned, the booklet, The Seven Laws of Success. I've taken it overseas to areas that were very stressed economically, politically, financially, like Ukraine. And uh, one comment after reading that booklet, you know, and the principles mm -hmm. in it, you know, with spirituality at the very end, but also about perseverance and resourcefulness and that type of thing. They said, that is what our nation needs. <laughs> the reason that, the wow. reason that we are in the condition that we're in is because of that. So mm -hmm. I'm just saying is mm -hmm. that these types of things are more than just nice platitudes about being a better person. These are things that really build for strength and success in the family, in your work, in your vocation, and your economic status. Yeah, absolutely. They do make a difference. And to someone who at the time was a teenage boy, again, coming from a blue color background where none of these things were stressed either in my family or in my school environment. Uh, they were transformative. The uh, the laws were uh, something that inspired me to be more and do more with my life. So again, I wanted to take those and update those, upgrade those for the 21st century. And that was the original idea behind the book.
Last time we actually began to touch upon principle number one, which is the right visionary goals. And we talked about having a mission statement, right? And we talked about getting that first before we start establishing goals for our life. So when we say the right visionary goals, the right goal is obviously one that benefits us but doesn't harm anyone else. So a right goal is something that does no harm. Many people establish goals, but the goals are selfish. They're manipulative. They harm other people. Therefore, they are not the right kind of goals that we should seek. And then it says the right visionary goals. The visionary portion comes from our desire to create that mission statement first. And that's what gives us the motivation. It gives us the vision to be able to look into the future and create goals that will get our lives to the direction that we want it to go. I like to say that an unwritten goal is only a dream and a goal without vision is a fantasy. A lot of people in this world live dreams and fantasies, but they don't have written goals and they don't have a vision behind their goal. Here, I'll give you a classic example. Every January 1st, millions upon millions upon millions of people create something that's called New Year's resolutions. And statistics show that over 90% of those fail within the first week. Well, why is that? Well, it's because people create a New Year's, so-called New Year's resolution out of emotion, out of some spontaneous feeling, right? We look in the mirror and we say, oh, I don't like the way that I look in the mirror, so I'm going to lose 20 pounds. But if our value statement, if what we say in our heads is I like to eat everything I see, then that goal is contrary to our mission. <laughs> it's contrary to our values. So that's why so many goals fail, because people haven't taken the time to create their personal mission statement, to know what they value, to know what's important to them. And then after that, they'll create goals that are in alignment with their mission. So that gives us vision. It's that mission statement that creates a mental picture that prods and motivates us. It becomes an inspirational snapshot of the kind of future we want to live in, of the kind of person that we want to be. Right. And as you talk about goals that you have, those goals will impact the people closest to us, like our mate. And we may have a goal of being setting up something that will take all kinds of hours and time and resources, and, and that your mate may not want that. Or exactly. Impacted. And, and it's a great goal. It's something that you really want, but if it doesn't impact them properly or neglects your children or, you know, in some other way harms people, it's not the way to go. And that's what I thought was so great about your discussion about a personal mission statement as to how it affects others as well. Yeah, absolutely. It, uh, it has uh, so much of an influence. It can possibly leave a legacy within our families or even within our communities for generations to come. That's how powerful it can be. So these visionary goals become our blueprint for our future. They help us to get from point A to point B. We've determined that we want to go to point B. We've determined that we want to get there. So we begin to determine and create long-term goals that become the stepping stones to achieving long-term goals. And with that vision, that mental picture, 
this snapshot of our desired future, it motivates us, it propels us forward so that we can go ahead and begin achieving those goals. And they never end. Once we achieve a goal, then we sit down and we create another one. We stretch ourselves in a different way. We stretch our thinking in a different direction, perhaps learning something new uh, or learning more about a particular topic, uh, technology, or something that we may be interested in. So it all starts with that very powerful and important principle of having the right visionary goals. Along with those goals, we learn to use positive affirmations. Now, a positive affirmation is a declaration we make to ourselves of something we expect to become true or desire to live by. Even if we're not there yet, we use these declarations to state to ourselves something that we want to live by and want to become true. Now, there are secular types of positive affirmations. For example, I'm good at my job and I believe in my ability to achieve my goals. But we have to realize that the idea of positive affirmations are ancient. Religious people have been using positive affirmations for millennia. We call them prayers. Right. We call them meditation. When the Apostle Paul said that I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me, that's a positive affirmation. So this has been around for thousands and thousands of years. And in a secular way, we can also have short positive affirmations to strengthen ourselves, that to correct our thinking, sometimes to eliminate negativity that may be on our heads. And it's these positive affirmations that also help to propel us along with having the right vision to achieving our goals and going forward. Well, I do believe that the spiritual things that we do are basically just a parallel thing to the things that you're talking mm-hmm. about here. Because in prayer, God gives us an outline, a very positive mm-hmm. outline, you know, where, where to prioritize what we think about. And also a whole, a whole series of things to petition him for. And also in meditation, you know, we try to put this all together and, and kind of back off from our rushing around mm-hmm. to f- focusing on these things. And that's what I really appreciate about your work here is that you have been able to take principles that, people neglect as far as getting into the details of and putting them into a practical outline that we can use to really better ourselves and those around us. Yeah, absolutely. So from there, Vic, then we move on to the second principle, which is continuous education. Our formal education usually ends sometimes in our 20s, but life is a continuing education. And we should never get to the point where we say to ourselves that I've achieved a certain level. I don't need to know anymore. I don't need to learn anymore. I don't need to stretch myself because the concept of life itself is intended to be continuous education and growth in knowledge and understanding of the world and of the sciences. So this Mm -hmm. continuous education teaches us wisdom. It increases our knowledge in time. It helps us to attain credibility 
in time, it helps us to attain credibility and maybe the credentials we need for our career. And it helps us to maintain our accomplishments. Once we begin achieving goals, having the right education helps that momentum and helps us to maintain the ability to do that. So we should strive for a complete education, continuously developing our minds and our bodies and our personalities. And doing this makes life a lot more rewarding and fulfilling. So that is why that is the second of the principles, and it's so important. Again, I want to emphasize it should be considered an exciting lifelong pursuit, not just something that one does in their 20s and then they stop. And along with this is understanding the need for a complete education. Our school systems do a pretty good job with the proverbial three R's, right? Reading, writing, and arithmetic. But there's something that they do, don't teach. There's actually two R's that they don't teach, and that falls on us. And those two R's are reasoning and responsibility. Reasoning is the ability to take information together take fragmented bits of information together and come to a good, sound, solid conclusion. And that's on us to learn because you're probably not going to learn that in your school system. And then the other R is responsibility. Uh, that's something obviously that's lacking in our world today because we, li we live in a world of victimization. But with responsibility, which again is part of that making our own choices and accepting that we have the ability to choose, responsibility means that I have to be responsible for the decisions that I make. And if I hurt someone, if I make a poor decision, I need to apologize. If possible, I need to make amends for it. But I need to acknowledge that I am responsible for my life. I'm responsible for my conduct and I'm responsible for my attitude because I have the ability to choose to change all of those for the better. So mm -hmm. those are the capstones of having a complete education that go beyond just reading, writing and arithmetic. And then we're able to move into principle number three. This is a parallel to the one that was in the seven laws of success, which was good health. This is maintaining your health. We, we live in an incredible age of technologies and very good health care. And we have an opportunity more than any generation before us to take care of ourselves. I have known many people whose bodies wore out because they didn't take care of themselves, who had so much to give and wanted to do so many new and wonderful things but had abused their health and basically their bodies broke down and they weren't able in their latter years, weren't able to achieve the things that they wanted to achieve. I think I mentioned in our first podcast that I had been diagnosed with leukemia at 49. Um, mm -hmm. I was diagnosed because I went in for an annual physical and it's because it was caught early that it was easier to manage and probably the reason I'm here today. So take care of ourselves. And that means going to the doctor. It means at least uh, getting a diagnosis. I mean, you may have personal opinions on treating a particular diagnosis, but at least find out what the diagnosis is. Find out your options. Find out 
what's available. So I think it's important to make sure that we're taking advantage and getting very good health care since it's available. I think that's part of the responsibility that I talked about just a few minutes ago in a previous principle. We need to eat well. We need to have diets that are primarily composed of fruits and vegetables and whole grains. We need to get exercise. We need to strengthen our cardiovascular system. Our muscles with resistance, these are things that people didn't know very well 50 years ago, but we know them now. We know we need to drink plenty of water to eliminate toxins. We know that we need to get enough rest because abusing ourselves and not taking care of our health is going to short circuit our ability to achieve things and do the kind of things that we want. So let's not take our health for granted. Let's not think that we have a thousand tomorrows because each day is a gift and we should savor each day, look at it as a blessing, and therefore, to get the most out of each day, we need to be as healthy as we can possibly be. Now, I understand we all age, and sometimes we acquire uh, chronic diseases, but wherever we're at in life, we need to try to take care of ourselves. Whatever stage, whatever age we're at, whatever our illnesses may be, we need to try to glean the best we can out of the health that we have and take care of ourselves so that we can continue to maintain a, a good and productive lifestyle. And a word to the young, younger, you're not, you're not immortal. You may right. think that, that, that you are, you have, there, there's no end to your years, but there will come a time where if you abuse yourself with smoking, mm-hmm. with drugs, with alcohol, and other abusive substances, you will pay for it down the road. Oh, absolutely. And that, is, and, and, and that is the lesson, you might say, that many people who are uh, have been who have broken down that way have lamented what they have done with their health and it's so so important for success to be on top of your game just from the way you feel when you wake up in the morning mm-hmm. that is certainly true whatever age we are we need to take care of ourselves i think that's the bottom line and avoid substances that are going to harm our bodies, whether it's alcohol, consumption of too much alcohol or smoking or any type of substance abuse. Uh, Long term, they're certainly going to hurt us. I read recently where uh, the use of marijuana in the United States has now surpassed the use of tobacco. Uh, Uh Well, again, that's just uh, long term. That's a plague. And that's something that's going to destroy your health and it's going to destroy your potential to be all that you can be when you begin using a powerful drug uh, like uh, you find in marijuana. So I want to emphasize again the importance, the absolute importance of maintaining your health if you want to achieve all that you can and reach your fullest potential. Well, I know that among young people, and I hear this from my grandchildren and mm-hmm. all that, they talk about the various things that they see going on among their peers in school. And the things that were not even there when I was in school. Now, there was some, of course, smoking and all that. But vaping, alcohol, other substances that they do, plus many other drugs bring you up, bring you down, make you relax, mm-hmm. make you all these. Those things are are available and they hurt you. There are so many things right now that, that can really harm you. And also, there's new things coming on, like you said, marijuana and legalizing it and everything. I don't think that we understand or really know fully the long-term effects of trying to get to feeling better right now over and over again. Well, is that the way it's really going to be or 
will that break down? Well, history shows that these things all lead to something we don't want. And I think the abuse of alcoholism is legendary. The pain that has caused so many families, destroyed families, caused people to lose their jobs. You know, personally, my biological father was an alcoholic. And, um, you know, I could go on and on about the devastating effects of any kind of substance abuse. And uh, Vic, you bring out uh, an excellent point. And again, we encourage those young people uh, who are listening to this podcast, stay away from all that stuff. Life can be joyful, fulfilling. There are a lot of natural highs and joys you can get out of life without sacrificing your potential by taking those kinds of substances. Well, that's a continuation of point number two that you had, you know, about education is educating mm-hmm. ourselves on what is good, what is wholesome, and not only physically what is going to make our body strong, but also mentally the types of things that will strengthen the way we think and reason and the, the building of good habits. And even, frankly, your personal mission statement is a health principle. Oh, yeah, sure. It's, it's going, it's, it is something that really is going to affect the way we feel, the way we do things, the way we react, lead us into sound mental help away from depression and away from despondency, which is something which comes on people as a result partially because of failing in those other areas. And then from there, Vic, we move on to the fourth principle. So the next principle, which is principle number four, is driving forward. Now, we've all heard about drive, and and drive is something that propels us in a particular direction. But the reason this is titled this way as one of the 12 principles is I observed early in life that a lot of people continually drive backward. In other words, they're trying to live life while at the same time looking through the rearview mirror all the time. You can't drive forward correctly while living life looking through the rearview mirror. And there are many people who are plagued with their past. And they've had difficult past, and I understand that, but they either haven't forgiven other people or they haven't forgiven themselves. And so they're kind of like frozen They're frozen in time, reliving the past over and over again. And because of that, they are not able to go forward. So the idea behind this principle is to encourage people to let go of the past and to realize that we can't change the past at all. Yes, we can allow that rerun to run through our heads over and over again and make us feel bad over and over again. But you know what? The end is always the same. Because it's the past and it can't be changed. So let it go, process it, learn from it, and then let it go and move on with the life and move forward. And I also find this in a lot of organizations that I've known in my lifetime continually focus on the past. They're continually focused on the glory days of something that happened in the past, and they're not focusing on the future. And it's so important to make sure that we are driving in the right direction, that we're not sitting in neutral, that we're not just sitting there idling, but we are taking our lives in a forward direction and achieving all the things that we want to achieve 
by doing that. And it's that personal vision that should fuel that drive to want to move forward. And it's that momentum and determination that we're going to go over obstacles or under or around or through obstacles. Whatever it takes, we are going to continue to go forward and we are not going to stop. So it gives us the ability to push ourselves through very difficult situations when we're driving forward. And again, I want to emphasize that looking into the past to relive negative events or experiences is never helpful, is never productive, and just freezes us constantly looking backward into looking forward. So that's why uh, there's so much emphasis on this particular principle in the book of making sure that we are driving forward. Well, I know that uh, even spiritually and you know, as far as church organizations, looking back, things were so different 100 years ago. Things were so different 50 years ago. Mm-hmm. 50, things were different before COVID. And you have to adjust to the landscape where you're at right now. And looking back to some glory days back in uh, 1965, where we had media of one sort that worked for that time, just simply may not work for today's time. You know, we may have to think of other things. And part of driving forward is to have the sense to know the types of things you should be doing, rather than just trying to beat your head against the wall. Mm -hmm. being unsuccessful and keep doing the same thing over and over again, being unsuccessful. That's a definition, one of the definitions of insanity is doing the same thing the same way over and over again and expecting different Mm -hmm, results. Correct. And again, that's why uh, driving forward and emphasizing our need to constantly be using a, a visionary attitude to look forward is so essential. Okay, let's take a look at one more principle. Then I think we're probably going to run out of time today. And that's principle number five, utilizing your resources. Now, we all are an incredible bundle of resources. First of all, we have DNA, which gives us unique talents and abilities that other people may not have. And our resources, what we're talking about when we say resources, is our imagination, our creativity, our out-of-the-box thinking, asking ourselves, well, what if, what if I tried this? What if I offered this? It's an open-mindedness that helps us to tap into those resources. And physically, we have resources. We have energy. We have the ability to mentally respond to things. We have technological tools uh, at our fingertips. So think about the ability to go to Google today and do research on something that we know absolutely nothing about. We have history to look back to and learn from. There's research that's been done on so many subjects and topics, and all of this is part of learning to tap into our resources. We all have networks. We have friends and former co-workers. We may have mentors. We have may have business groups that we're part of. These are all ways that we can tap into resources, other people's knowledge, other people's experiences, we have to be humble enough to ask, but we can tap into these resources and overcome just incredible problems, whatever we may be facing. There's always an answer. So it's these resources that give us leverage, that give us the ability to look at a very complex problem and to go ahead and be able to solve that problem. So that is why that principle is so essential and so important. 
Well, also, too, that all people are different and have different, if you want to put it, gifts or abilities or skills uh, that uh, help solve problems or help life live uh, a particular way. And for somebody may not have that, but they might have something else. So a person needs to analyze their skills. They have these various tests that test your mm-hmm. uh, ability, you know, uh, abilities and, and, and finding out where you're good at, what direction you ought to go. Uh, are you more a right brain or left brain person? And if you're living in the wrong brain, it could be frustrating. Sure, absolutely, it can. So, Vic, those are the five principles that we've covered today, and um, you're the moderator, but I just want to make sure I don't overstay my welcome. You don't overstay the welcome. Yeah. In fact, this is this has been just absolutely fascinating to be able to talk in, in this particular way and bring up examples and bring up uh, really the work that you have done. Uh, I, I have been, you know, going through your material here and the, your history and the, the work that you're doing with We Lead. It, it's just fantastic, and it's just been a real benefit to your peers, to those in the ministry, you know, the, the, those of us, and also for anyone, for for anyone, it's just been a tremendous resource. And that's why I've enjoyed talking to you. You're also very easy to talk to. It's been pretty great. Well, again, thanks for the invitation. I do appreciate it. And I hope you have me back so we can finish these principles next time. Thank you very much, Greg. We certainly would love to have you back for future episodes of The Cubic Report with the content, the great content that you have to offer. We thank you, our listeners, for joining us today for The Cubic Report. If you have enjoyed this podcast, please be sure to tell a friend or friends about it. We can be found on a variety of platforms, including Apple and Google Podcasts, Spotify, iHeartRadio, Amazon Music, and many other podcasting platforms. Also, at any URL address bar, simply type in The Cubic Report, and most likely you'll find us right there. We'd love to hear from you. Write to us at vcubic at gmail.com, vkubik at gmail.com. Again, thank you for listening. Come back soon for more. <laughs>